When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Pineapple Pizza Podcast discusses the histories, cultures, and beliefs of regions around the world. These stories often contain mature and sometimes disturbing content that may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Pineapple Pizza Podcast, where we are serving up delicious slices of mythology, cryptozoology, and urban legends. It's an interesting combination of flavors. A bit weird, but it works. Today's special is Japanese mythology. I'm your hostess, Ashley. And I am Emily. And I am Lindsay. All right, so today's story is going to be, if I can get the names right, the story of Ho Dairy and Ho Ho Demi. Let's get started. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> so, sources before we get into the story. My main source is the Kojiki.、Um, I had to read a translated version because I don't speak Japanese shockingly. So、um, my translator was Gustav Helt. I also used a couple of articles on Wikipedia the Encyclopedia of Shinto, a website on Japanese mythology、uh, on WordPress, had an article called Hori vs. Hodari, and I also used the Ancient History Encyclopedia and Britannica.com. Nice. Yeah, I had a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so whenever we do mythology, what we're gonna do is start with some context so that the story makes sense. Then we'll do the story, and then I'll try to find connections to either other cultures throughout time or contemporary culture. So the Kojiki, which translates roughly to an account of ancient matters, is an early Japanese compilation of myths and legends concerning the origins of the country of Japan, including the formation of the archipelago itself, so the actual land, the kami, which are spirits. And the imperial family. It is generally considered to be the oldest surviving written work from Japan. The preface states that the author of the work is Ono Yasumoro, who supposedly wrote the Kojiki at the request of Empress Genmei of Japan, who reigned from the year 707 to 715. If true, this would mean the book is from the 8th century. You're welcome, people who don't understand how centuries are numbered. <laughs> I know you're out there. 
<laughs> and they're uh, thanking you. <laughs> I hope so, because I added that for you. So this was supposedly completed and presented as a gift to the Empress in the year 712. The purpose of the book is to relate the genealogy of the imperial family of Japan. The preface says that it's supposed to correct mistakes in existing genealogical records. Um, because most families would have their own records of the family line. Now, we have to take this with a grain of salt, because one of the things this book does is directly ties the imperial family to the Shinto gods. So we're basically like, oh, they have the right to rule because they're descended from actual gods. And any time that happens, probably not totally true. (laughs) (laughs) So I would just say the reality is most likely that this book is supposed to justify the rule of the Yamato dynasty by painting them as descendants of deities. It has three sections. Volume one or the Kamitsumaki. The middle volume, or Nakatsumaki. And finally, the lower volume, or Shimotsumaki. I'm pretty sure that's right. (laughs) Sounds like you're doing a good job. Only because I'm slowing way down. (laughs) So does Sumaki mean volume? I would say that's the rough translation. It's probably not exact because Japanese characters normally have multiple possible translations. Yeah. So roughly, it's volume. Uh, So that first volume is the creation story. So the beginning of time, the birth of the gods, the typical mythological stuff that we kind of know and love from cultures around the world. Then the middle volume recounts the history of Japan, starting with the early Japanese conquests of Jimyu Tenno, and that's the first emperor of Japan. And it then follows through to the 15th emperor, Ojin. The information, I should just let you know, is heavily mythological and therefore probably not accurate. But it's fun. (laughs) (laughs) The lower volume is a continuation of the history of the Imperial family from the 16th Emperor through the 33rd. But once they reach the 24th Emperor, there's a lot less information about them. I don't know why that is. They just got bored. Yeah. They were just like, okay, I'm over it. I have a deadline. I got to get there. It's like covering your true crime stories when they have a whole bunch of victims. You're like, yes, I'm going full bore into this for like the first 10 victims. But after that, man, it's just too much. Is it? (laughs) Is it though? (laughs) Is that what I'm doing wrong? Okay, let's do the actual story now, because you're all bored from my facts. So the gods, Minigi, and, oh, this is the big one that I'm going to mess up. Konohana Sakuya Hime. Dang. That's right. Oh, yeah. It's a long one. Okay. They had three children. 
but the story's only about two of those three. I have no idea who the third one is or what they did or why they don't matter, but apparently they don't. So just forget that other kid. He doesn't he doesn't count. He wasn't godlike enough for the rest of the family. I mean, my guess is he's like the boring kid who just wants to read a book and not bother anyone. <laughs> so if I were a god, that would be me, that kid that's sitting there <laughs> who doesn't make the final draft because no one cares. <laughs> Okay, so the other two were sons that they named Ho Dairy and Ho Ho Demi. And both of them have like seven other names, but we're not gonna go there because it's too confusing and I can't keep it straight. So these are the names we're gonna use. Fair. So it's Ho One and Ho Two? Yes. Ho the first and Ho the second. <laughs> you can tell them apart because the second one had two hoes in it. Uh huh. Okay. According to the Kajuki, Hoho Demi was the youngest of the three brothers. But it should be noted this story's recorded elsewhere and changes the birth order. But we're using the Kajuki, so we're not we're not gonna worry about that. Hoho Demi was a gifted hunter, while his other brother, Ho Dairy, was a skilled fisherman. One day, Hoho Demi said to his older brother, let's exchange our gifts with one another and see what happens. They probably shouldn't do this in case anyone has doubts. It's not going to go well, just so you know. At first, Hoderi said no, but his younger brother did what little brothers do and just bothered him about it perpetually until he wore down and said okay. (laughs) See, now that sounds pretty accurate. It does. I am, by the way, the younger sister, and I 10,000% did this all the time to get my way. (laughs) Sorry, Tiff. (laughs) Not really, though. (laughs) So finally, he agreed to the exchange and lent his little brother his fish hook. Hoho Demi tried and tried, but even with his brother's special fish hook, he could not catch any fish. Like, not a single fish in the entire sea. Nothing. That sounds like it'd be me. I just don't think I have the patience to fish. Like, I think you're supposed to sit there and be super quiet and just wait. <laughs> I don't, I don't Not know. Not your specialty, huh? No. Because I would be reading and then I'd forget to check the fish line. And I would do the exact same thing. I'd be reading and drinking and then would all of a sudden look up and be like, oh, what am I doing again? Oh, that's right. I'm supposed to be fishing. As your fishing rod is going skidding across the water. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. Sounds like a nice day, except for the fishing part. Yep. <laughs> um, eventually, he lost the fish hook. So that's not Ooh. great. No, that's not going to go down well. Nope, it doesn't. So no fish, no fish hook, just nothing. That is such a brotherly thing to do. It is. <laughs> let me use it. Let me use it. Let me use it. Let me use it. Oh, shit. 
yes. It's either lost or broken. Uh-huh. I mean, it's <laughs> yep. one of the other. It's such a sibling thing. You're not getting it back in the same condition you lent it in. <laughs> so the moral of this story really is never lend stuff to your siblings. Yeah. Yes. Especially clothing, they will stretch it out. This is a, ti- <laughs> a timeless moral. <laughs> Uh, Hoderi also had no luck with his power, which was supposed to be hunting in the mountains. He didn't catch anything. So he came back and was like, okay, I let you borrow my fish hook. Like, you, this sucks. I want my stuff back, pretty much, which that's how things always go. But, you know, uh, Hohodemi doesn't have the fish hook anymore. So he can't exactly give it back. So he finally breaks down and is like, look, um, the bad news is I lost your hook and I don't know where it is. It's just gone. Womp womp. (laughs) (laughs) How does that go over? Oh, it it doesn't. So... His older brother is like, no, this is unacceptable. I want my hook back. And he continues to insist that he return it. I lent it to you. It's mine. I want it back now. Because that's what older siblings do Mm -hmm. when you ruin their stuff. They get mad. And it's fair. It's fair. In an attempt to appease his brother... Hoho Demi broke his own sword into pieces and made 500 fish hooks from the blade. Wow. Yeah. It's a big gesture. How do you feel like that's going to go? Not well. I mean, the sword's for hunting, right? It's a special hunting sword. It was his special hunting sword and he sacrificed it to make fish hooks. Do you think it'll work for fishing? Does he suck at making fish hooks is the real question. That I don't know. Maybe. Because is if it it's 500 shitty ass fish hooks, then like, it's not going to go over well. I just picture it like because it's for hunting. It like just shoots out of the water and goes into like the woods and like kills a bird or something and then brings the bird back. <laughs> So the fish hook is like a boomerang, sort of? I pictured the quality of them being like, do you remember that woman that painted over that famous picture of Jesus? Yes! Yes. (laughs) She's like, oops, sorry, here, I'll I'll fix it. (laughs) (laughs) That face. (laughs) So the fish hook gesture does not go well. Hoderi refused to accept them and declared that only the original fish hook would do. What is he, five? Yeah. No, he's probably like a hundred years old. Gods live forever, so I don't know. But let me just tell you that if I borrowed something from my sister and then lost it, and then gave her like 20 crappy replacements, she would 100% be like, get out of here with that junk. I want my sweater back. (laughs) I mean, as the older sibling, I I agree with that. Uh, So unable to make his brother forgive him, Hoho Demi sat on the shore of the sea and wept. Aw, I know, it's so sad. 
So he sat there crying until the current elder, which, by the way, that's a spirit. And from here on out, there are going to be a lot more spirits in this story. And I will be using the translated names because I suck at Japanese. So I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) So the current elder came to him and asked why he was crying. Ohodemi answered, My older brother and I switched fortunes and I lost his fish hook in the sea. I have made many others to take its place, but he refuses to accept any of them and still wants the original hook back. I have no way to do that, so I'm crying because I'm grieved. Moved by Hoho Demi's plight, the current elder said, I think I can help you. He created a boat out of bamboo stalks that he kind of wove together. No one could see that hand motion but you guys, but that was for you. So he wove the bamboo stalks together and made a nice little boat and put Hoho Demi inside it. I will push your boat out to sea. Keep traveling until you come upon a pathway in the currents. Take that path and it shall lead you to a palace with a roof that looks like it's made of fish scales. This is the Ocean Majesty's home. At the palace gates, a laurel tree grows next to a well. Climb to the top of this tree and the spirit's daughter will give you counsel. All right. Checks out. It does. (laughs) So it does actually check out. Hoho Demi follows the current elder's instructions and everything goes exactly as he predicted. When he reaches the top of the laurel tree, Hoho Demi takes a seat and is shortly greeted by a servant of the Lady Bountiful Soul. That's the Ocean Majesty's daughter. He makes her live in a tree outside of the palace? No. That's like her receiving room. So she lives in the palace, but her, like, servant girl comes out to get them water from the well. So that's who greets him. At the top of the tree. Yeah, I don't know why it's at the top of the tree. Because the well would be at the bottom of the tree. If it helps at all, apparently Hoho Demi's really hot. So maybe she just saw a hot guy in a tree and was like, hey, what's up? (laughs) Okay, so the servant girl is carrying a gem-covered vessel to draw water from the well. And Hoho Demi says to her, I'd like some water, which get your own water, honestly. Get out of here with that shit. Who are you? (laughs) You just met this girl and you're going to bark orders at her? Maybe you can do that since she's a servant. I I don't know. I'm too poor to have those. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) I don't know what the rules are. (laughs) I just think it's rude. (laughs) Whatever. He's a god, so maybe that's the difference. I don't know. Anyway, he's like, get me some water, and she does. So she draws water from the well and offers it to him, but he doesn't drink it. What he does instead is loosen a gemstone from his own attire. And I'm, by the way, very unclear if, like, his clothing has jewels on it or if he has, like, a necklace or something that has jewels. That was not clear in the story. So he's got jewels on him. 
somewhere and not his family jewels don't say it out <laughs> <laughs> he does with it next would be super disturbing well if he puts it in the water jewels. then it's teabagging right <laughs> he does something with it before he puts it in the water does he roll it around in his mouth <laughs> puts it in his mouth <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for hitting the desk. That was just a lot. <laughs> so he puts it in his mouth and then spits it into the water cup or chalice, whatever the I would hell it too. is. And it gets in there and just gets stuck. Well, yeah, you spit it into a cup, you idiot. What, were, what was the whole point of that? I think the whole point is for it to get stuck in the I guess it's a cup. I don't know. They kept using the word vessel. I'm picturing like the Holy Grail, but the Japanese version of that. I don't know if that's right. A goblet? Yes. Not the goblet of fire, though. No, Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark style, right? Okay. A A chalice, a golden chalice. A golden chalice. So the gem gets stuck, and the servant girl tries to pry it loose, but she can't do it. So she gives up and takes it into the palace and gives it to her mistress, Lady Bountiful Soul, who's basically like, what the hell? Where did this come from? (laughs) That's right. In my version of the story, she said, what the hell? (laughs) Well, if you got a cup with a ball in the bottom, wouldn't you be a little bit... (laughs) It's a shiny, expensive ball in the bottom. What, are his nuts made of rubies or something? I mean, you're the one that decided they're his nuts. I think it's probably just a necklace or something. So the servant girl tells her the story of, I'm assuming she was like, he was a really hot guy because she booked it out there to see the person that put the jewel in the cup. And as soon as she sees him, She's in love, like head over heels, like he must have been really foxy because she's like some kind of goddess royalty. And she's just like, I love you immediately. No questions. Yeah, so a man wrote the story is what you're saying. Yeah. 180% a man wrote this story. (laughs) You and your super cool uh, manners. Dropping a nut in a cup. (laughs) You're sticking to that. (laughs) I'm sticking to it. I'm over here picturing like the Hope Diamond, which if a guy gave me that, I'd be like, all right, whatever. Let's get married. (laughs) And that's what happens, by the way. They're going to get married in like 30 seconds. So mentally prepare for that. Oh, oh, okay. Because they don't need to get to know each other, and he doesn't need to know her likes or dislikes, and she doesn't need to know his name. They just need to get married. It's all that matters. Most important thing. That's how true love works. Mm-hmm. It is. In marriage. True love. Marriage. Sweet marriage. You can think that. I'm just over here like, bow chicka bow. <laughs> he only has one ball now <laughs> but she's the bountiful so ooh you're right there you go I think it'll even out <laughs> so she falls in love with him 
and immediately goes inside to tell her father about the hot guy hanging out in the laurel tree. So her dad's like, all right, I'm going to go see about this young man. And the second he sees him, he knows who he is and recognizes him as a child of the gods. So the dad's like, oh, okay, you're a god too. That explains a lot of things. Are you okay, Lindsay? <laughs> All the questions have been answered. <laughs> he doesn't need to know anything else. You're a god. We're good to go. Is it like something stamped on their forehead or like some sort of glow about them that denotes that they're from the gods? Like how would, how does one know? I, I suspect an aura, like a fancy glowing aura, but I don't know. Detachable body part. <laughs> His junk comes off, so he's gotta be, right? Okay, anyone who's still listening, they're not actually his balls, I swear. It's a jewel that came off of his clothes. I'm just naturally crude. I can vouch for that, actually. That's true. This is only our first episode. Welcome, listeners. Welcome. This is what we do here. Be prepared. So as soon as Ocean Majesty realizes he's a god, too, he invites Ho-Ho Demi back to the palace where he offers him many gifts, including pelts, by the way. But either way, that's pretty good. Um, so one of the gifts he gave him was his daughter because a man wrote this story. Mm -hmm. So they get married and live together happily at the palace for three years. Then one day, his wife hears Ho-Ho Demi let out a deep, mournful sigh as he ponders the strife between himself and his brother. Lady Bountiful Soul tells her father about the sigh and wonders aloud to him why her husband is so unhappy. Father-in-laws apparently are very invested in their children's marriage in this story. I don't know if that's like a real thing, but it, it is here. So he approaches his son-in-law and asks him about the sigh. So Hoho Demi finally tells him about the disagreement with his brother and about the fish hook he lost in the sea. When the tale is finished, Ocean Majesty uses his power to call all of the fish of the sea to him and ask them about the whereabouts of the fish hook. The fish tell him they'd heard the Red Sea Bream complaining of something caught in his throat. And so Ocean Majesty found this fish and searched his throat where he located the missing hook at last. Go ahead, Emily. <laughs> Just thinking about how awkward that is. You like open his mouth and just dive down in there looking for it. What? I just think it's funny, honestly, that the fish are like, yeah, here, this is where this hook is. Go ahead and give it back to this guy so he can kill us. I'm just picturing it like caught on his phalange, the little like hangy ball thing at the back of your throat. <laughs> it's just chill. It's just Fingers chilling there. Fingers of phalange. It's That's just why I'm chilling laughing. right there. It's just chilling right there. Hey guys. <laughs> hey guys. His little fishy punching bag. The hook talks. It's like, you found me. Oh my God, I want to go home. Thanks for rescuing me. I've been here for three years. <laughs> the sentient fish hook. Well, it is now. <laughs> Everything has a spirit in Japan, so that's True. not even, that's not even a stretch. So, 
Ocean Majesty washes the fish hook. Let's all just take a moment to be thankful that that's in this story. Oh my god, could you imagine how gross that would be? <laughs> I know. Ugh. But it's okay, because he washes it off, and then he gives it back to his son-in-law. And he tells him to do the following before handing the hook back to his brother. Tell him this fish hook is an idle fish hook, feckless fish hook, a beggarly fish hook, a useless fish hook. Then take it out from behind your back and hand it to him. We both are wearing question marks on our faces. It's going to get better. Why Why does he want him to say, hey, this fish hook sucks. Here you go. Pretty That's... sure it's a spell to ruin the fish hook uh... based on what happens. Mm. Well, that's kind of... Why even go get it and then give it back to him at that point and just leave it as it is? That's almost crummier. At least he's not like, here, have this dirty ass fish hook back. <laughs> what? Ugh, that's real gross. Then he said to Hohodemi that he should make his rice patties in the lowlands, for Ocean Majesty had charge over the seas and would ensure that his son-in-law would prosper, while Hoderi would grow poor within three years. They're all about threes. Well, a lot of religious stuff is mm-hmm. all about threes. But that's yeah. true. It sounds more like father-in-law's more bitter about this than brother is. Like, yeah. dad is salty, man. He's really trying to crap all over his son-in-law's brother. Maybe he has a rude big brother, too. I don't know. <laughs> He's like, I feel you, bro. Brothers are the worst. Uh. <laughs> Just kidding. I don't have any brothers. Brothers are probably great sometimes. I don't know. I don't have one. Me either. I don't eat. Yeah, I don't either. Sister. 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 He further stated that if Hoderi should grow vengeful and attack Hohodemi, his son-in-law should take out a tide-raising gem and use it to drown his brother until he weeps and begs forgiveness. That (laughs) is aggressive. Wow. So waterboard your brother until he starts crying. Yes. <laughs> He's like, I'm sorry. <laughs> waterboard him with this magical gem that is not a testicle. <laughs> we don't we don't know enough about the origins of that gem. Oh. We're making assumptions. <laughs> Maybe it's a tiger's eye. We don't know. No. How do you get how do you drown with a gem? Because it raises the tide to drown him. Oh. Yeah. They're magic, so it raises the tide, and then he gives him a second gem, and that one lowers the tide. Don't mix them up. Don't just, I don't know, <laughs> lift your brother out of the water. Let's lower the tide. Yeah. So when he begs for forgiveness, he should use the tide-lowering gem to revive his brother so he doesn't die because, you know, if he's sorry, he can live. Let's be clear about this story. Ho-Ho Demi was the one who, he begged his brother for the hook, then he loses the hook. His brother was right to be upset about it. Ho-Ho Demi goes, here's a couple of shitty ass... <laughs> there were 500 okay. and we don't know they were shitty. No, but it wasn't his, you know? <laughs> you lost something that was very special to him. It's his special hook. And we're going to like be all mad at the older brother, Hoderi, and take it out on yeah. him? Yeah. 
Like, that seems kind of crummy. It does. Hey, Emily, are you the older sibling? (laughs) (laughs) Yep. What are you trying to say? I think I'm right. To be clear, I also agree with that. (laughs) (laughs) And you are also the older sibling. (laughs) I am. (laughs) But see, I'm like... Like Ho Ho Demi, I would feel really bad about it and do what I could to make things right. But right. I wouldn't. But I wouldn't give my sister a bunch of shitty ass replacements. I would replace whatever I broke. Or he did try though. He made he destroyed for effort. his own sword. Yeah, A for effort. I feel like they might have been nice fish hooks, but maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> so he gives him the gems and sends him on his way with a sea beast for an escort. The beast gets him home in a single day for which he was rewarded with a sash. And that beast was known from that day on as the spirit blade bearer. I don't know what that Because he was a fancy ass fish with a sash. Do you, feel, <laughs> do you guys feel like he has one of those t-shirts that says, I got a god home in one day and all I got was this lousy sash? <laughs> Ho-Ho Demi followed his father-in-law's instruction carefully and all proceeded as Ocean Majesty predicted. Ho-Ho Demi prospered as Ho-Dairy became poor because he can't catch fish anymore because they probably cursed the fish hook. I mean, it doesn't say that, but come on. It sounds like a curse, right? Yeah, if you're, if you're like, say this exact thing before you hand him his hook, that's definitely a curse. Yeah. That's what I think, too. So one day, after the three years when he grows poor, uh, Hoderi becomes so enraged that he physically attacks his brother, Hohodemi. So he whips out that tide-raising jewel and uses it to drown him. So the waterboarding works, in case anyone was curious, because he does weep and apologize. So Hoho Demi spares his life with the Tide Ebbing Gem, and his brother swears to be his humble servant from that day forward. That is every little sibling's dream. Mm-hmm. Disagree. <laughs> <laughs> Ashley's like, I don't want to waterboard anybody. What? No, 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 no. <laughs> I didn't say that. <laughs> Ashley's pro waterboarding. You heard it here first. (laughs) The darker side of Ashley. I didn't say that either. (laughs) I just want my options open because you never know. (laughs) Says says someone who is pro waterboarding. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not pro waterboarding. I know. What is happening? I know. Tease, tease. Okay. No, I just don't want my sister to be my servant. That seems weird and I don't like it. The poses Hoderi had taken up as he was drowning became the posture taken up by subjects showing submission to their sovereign in the days of the Empire of Japan. Oh, is that the one where they get real low? Yeah, it's most likely the low bowing and prostrating yourself, basically. I guess you need to apologize for existing in that scenario. I'm not clear. All right. 
Just be submissive like a good little parole. That's the moral of the story. Be submissive. It's not. (laughs) (laughs) This story is about to take another hard left. Wait, it wasn't done? There's more to the story? Wow. It's not over. What else do they do? The Lady Bountiful Soul misses her husband and eventually returns to him because I guess he just wasn't ever coming back. I don't I don't know. So she shows up. By the way, again, it's been more than three years. She shows up and she's like, I'm pregnant. All right. Uh, questionable. <laughs> Was it the sea beast? Just <laughs> <laughs> check out my sash. <laughs> So, I don't know. Somehow she's pregnant still. So, God's just just ate for forever. Screw that. Screw that. Sounds awful. No caffeine for three years. Mm -mm. Yeah, fuck that noise. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) There it is. It's out there now. (laughs) That's apparent right there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So... They have to build her this special hut that she's supposed to give birth in. I guess that's like a normal thing back in the day in Japan. So as soon as that hut's done, she's like in labor because it just works out that way. So just as she's about to go inside, she begs her husband not to look at her while she's giving birth. Uh-oh. Well, that makes sense. I wouldn't want anybody to look at me while giving birth either. I said the same thing. never be the same. I was like, don't look. Don't look at it. But they can't look away. <laughs> what is happening? Oh, my God. I'm dying. The horror show of birth. It's supposed it's- to be a beautiful miracle. No, it's, it's a so. slimy, disgusting thing that happens. <laughs> So the reason she says she doesn't want him to look at her is she has to go into her natural form to give birth. Don't we all? And she's like, I don't want you to see that. The demon comes out, man. Do you think he's gonna look? Oh, yeah. Men. Yes. 100%. (laughs) You tell them not to, they're like, whoa. (laughs) So he totally looks. He does. And when he sees her, he is horrified to find that she has become a gigantic sea beast. I was going to say, is she like an elemental? Is she some sort of like sea creature? Mm -hmm. So the baby was the sea beasts. (laughs) Maybe he rode her on the way home. She was the sea beast. That's how she got pregnant. (laughs) Here's this magical sash, sea beast. Wah, wah. (laughs) Here's Um, my parting gift. (laughs) A gem. A gem. It's a testicle. (laughs) (laughs) And that's how she got pregnant. Boom. Solved it. Still (laughs) carried it for three years. Um, So one source that I read said that she was a crocodile. Another one said she was a dragon, which that's not a sea beast. So neither of them are. Well, a crocodile maybe in the sea. Maybe I'm uneducated on crocodiles. Although in a lot of the Japanese tales, the water elementals are portrayed as dragons, like long, like the long skinny dragons. 
kind of like snakes. Oh, like serpenty. Okay, maybe. I can maybe see that then. Because they, they mimic the water. <laughs> I love that motion. Yep. The motion Roll of the ocean. Home. Yep. Could you just roll in with the home? Uh-huh. <laughs> roll in with the sea beast. <laughs> so he freaks out and runs away like a coward. That's great. Like you already put it in there. You're fine. Obviously she didn't bite it off. <laughs> Not one of those stories. And it had teeth. <laughs> So after she gives birth, she can't bear the shame of knowing her husband looked at her. So she leaves her child behind and returns to the sea and never comes back. That's not fair to her. Um, or the baby. Yeah. Where's where's, where's the drowning rock? She should use the drowning rock <laughs> on him, not her. Kelly <laughs> says, sorry. She uh, did warn him. She mm-hmm. did, but he didn't listen because, you know, they don't. Men. <laughs> yeah. So when she leaves, she closes up the sea slope connecting their two worlds so he can't ever come to her and she can't go to him because they're done. She's like, fuck this, I'm out. So as a sea serpent, she's particularly salty. So she eventually feels bad for leaving the child behind, and she sends her sister Lady Summoned Soul to go and raise him for her. So he's not, like, completely abandoned. His aunt comes and takes care of him. I feel bad, but I don't really want to do this myself, so they wrangle another sibling to do their job for them. Yeah, it's probably her little sister. There's some serious sibling issues in this story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There are. It's going to get worse. Are you ready? <laughs> oh, no. There's one more. There's one more thing, and it skeeves me out a little. Uh-oh. When he grows up, he marries his aunt. Of course he does, because incest is really rampant in the gods, because they don't care. Nope, they do not. Well, their genetics aren't like our genetics, to be fair. So he and his aunt wife, like hyphenate person, had four sons together. And the youngest of those sons was Jimmu Tenno, the first emperor of Japan. Oh. Which is why I picked this story. So he was a fish person. (laughs) (laughs) That's the takeaway. That's the takeaway. (laughs) Yep. He was part sea beast. So... Our wrap-up for today is other places I see similar stories. Not the exact same, but similar. So the story type I was looking for was what uh, James Oppenheimer in Eden in the East refers to as the Warring Brothers motif. Gotcha. So this is really common across cultures and throughout time. The oldest story that he mentions is, and I might mispronounce this, uh, Kulabob and Manup. And that story is from Northern New Guinea. And according to him, that's the oldest one in history. Really? Like Cain and Abel wouldn't be one of the oldest ones? No, this predates Cain and Abel. Dang. And I actually have at least one more that predates Cain and Abel. That's where my brain went, Emily. I was like, 
Cain and Abel. Yeah, they're on the list. Uh, the other one that I have that definitely predates Cain and Abel is the story of Romulus and Remus, which is from approximately 753 BCE. And this story is fun. Uh, if you know it, they were twin brothers mm-hmm. yep. who suckled on a she-wolf. <laughs> yep. Hot. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So Romulus is the founder of Rome and he builds Rome and builds a wall around it. And the story goes, well, there's like a few different versions of this story. There's one where Remus is struck down probably by the gods, but it doesn't explicitly state that for leaping back and forth across the wall to Rome while he is making fun of Romulus. <laughs> That's such a fun thing to do. That's such a brother <laughs> thing to do. You can't get me. But most of the ancient sources agree that Romulus killed Remus. Because he got mad at him for jumping over the wall. So that's probably what happened. See, I thought that he went on. I thought that Remus went on to be a mentor to Harry Potter. That's a different Remus. (laughs) Sorry. It's not a werewolf, although he did suckle on a wolf. So I see where you're going. (laughs) I have two other examples. I don't want to really go on about Osiris and Set because that's, that's the ancient Egyptian one and it's super violent. The short version is that Set kills Osiris. There's no way around this. He cuts him into pieces and then distributes the pieces around the world so that he can't be put back together because he's immortal. So piece them back together, he'll be alive still. Wow. He was angry. They did not like each other. Apparently. Uh, Yeah. Uh, Osiris had power and Set wanted it, and siblings apparently just hate each other. I don't know. (laughs) When they're royal, probably. Yeah. And then the last one I have is Cain and Abel. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that's probably the most well-known one, at least in our culture, because it's from... You know, the Christian and the Hebrew Bible, depending on which denomination you're with. And that's the story where Cain and Abel are brothers who hate each other, but not because one of them's king. It's because the dad likes the one better than the other. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Cain gets mad and murders Abel. Mm -hmm. It doesn't go well for him, though. Yep. No. So that's all the examples I pulled. Um, I could have gotten more, but like... No, those were good ones. That's probably enough to give you an idea of how far globally it stretches, at least. Common Mm -hmm. theme around the world. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Across cultures. So that's the story. Uh, I guess, do we have anything that we want to share before we wrap it up? Do we have any cool stuff happening this week? I'm starting uh, my main research projects this week which is a lot. It's intense. Yeah. So I'm a little overwhelmed. Do both of you guys watch John Oliver? Yeah. No. So (laughs) I watched this episode recently, like this section of an episode, and it was something where they were interviewing people. I think it was in like some town in South Carolina or something who were protesting having to wear masks and stuff in school, going back into school. And, um, This one woman was like, the best part of it was when they interviewed this super old woman who was like, yeah, you know, pedophiles like when people wear the masks. (laughs) And I was like, what does that have to do with anything? 
kidding. <laughs> what is wrong with people? I was just like, what? What about you, Ash? Anything new going on? Did you finish your story? No. <laughs> no. Oh, no. <laughs> it's almost done, but I keep having to stop and go take stuff out of it because it's too long. Um, well, you're splitting it into two parts. Is it still too I already... Well, we recorded part one, so I only have one section left, and I have to keep deleting whole big sections oh. because it's too long. So that's why it's not done yet. Thank you for coming to visit our beautiful pizzeria and enjoying a unique slice of Japanese mythology. Pineapple Pizza Podcast. Sweet and cheesy... Not everyone understands our awesomeness, but we're glad that you do, question mark. If you're enjoying the show and you'd like to help support us, check out our Tee Public shop for some amazingly fun and funny merch. Or if you want to do a one-time donation, you can do that on buymeacoffee.com and buy us a fresh slice, because we can never get enough of basically anything, if we're being honest. If you absolutely love the show and you want to check out some fantastic bonus content, you can become a donor on Patreon and earn all kinds of amazing benefits. We have three tiers to accommodate almost any budget. The $3 Mythbuster, the $7 Cryptid Hunter, and the $15 Storyteller. Become a patron today and start enjoying all the perks and extra content right away. Don't forget, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at PineAppPizzaPod. That's PineAppAPP Pizza Pod. You can also send us questions, comments, and topic ideas at pineapppizzapod at gmail.com. Don't forget, A-P-P. That's important. Thanks for stopping in for some deliciously weird morsels. And just remember, no matter how you slice it, you're awesome. And we love you.